Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Blazing the Path, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Knuck If You Buck, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, Thunderous Applause, and the LA Hoops Report, plus our coaching focus podcast. Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey everybody, welcome back. I am your host, Justin Matcham, in here with me tonight... Dan Galinsky, Amadou So, Dan Amadou, how you guys doing? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Yep, he can uh, second that for sure for me. It is a good day. The Browns are in the playoffs. The Cavaliers are still, even though I mean they're not undefeated, but they're still looking like a respectable basketball team, which is always positive. Uh, this week they did lose to the Pacers in a game that uh, both me and Dan predicted they would lose. That was a uh, 119 to 99 loss, but they did come back and beat the Hawks 96 to 91. Cavaliers are four and two. Um, solid start still, you know. I mean, there's there's some things that we're gonna get into some, some some good and some bad. But uh, overall, we'll just kind of start with we'll start with that Pacers game and just kind of just give you know, some quick thoughts from that. Uh, overall, kind of another rough outing from the Cavs. Obviously, they lost by 20. Um, I, we had kind of talked about how a guy like DeMontis Sabonis was going to be able to, to, to put the Cavs in some in some foul trouble, and they definitely did that with the Cavs bigs. And overall, there were just a, the Cavs fouled a lot in that game. I think some some questionable calls as well by the referees, but overall, a lot of it was just DeMontis Sabonis wreaking havoc as far as drawing them on guys like Drummond and JaVale. Um Amadou, how did you feel about this this Pacers game and just how the Cavs played in general? Um, I feel like offensively we, we struggled. You know, as you know, it's going to be noted, considering that we have Kevin Love, Okora, Windler, and Kevin Porter Jr. out. Um, defensively, I just feel like, as you said, you know, DeMontis Sabonis just really went at it at our bigs. Uh, Drummond and McGee didn't really play all too well. Uh, but I did like that uh, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, both of them kind of finished the game off strong, I would say. So that's a good positive note. But overall... I mean, considering the circumstances, I, I don't want to, you know, look at this loss too much, but nonetheless, you know, it was a a pretty bad loss for the Cavs. Dan, how do you feel about the Pacers game? Yeah, they're it's kind of as we kind of predicted. They kind of just got hammered there, and yeah, not having Kevin Love in that game specifically, um, I, I thought really hurt them just from. I don't know. They just the spacing was just kind of clunky, and there was just too much too much foul trouble early. Yeah, and with with both Andre and uh, Javale getting into foul trouble, we saw some really early Thon minutes. I mean, he didn't you know do anything spectacular or spectacularly bad. I don't think in those minutes, but just kind of 
shows you the position the Cavs were in. Obviously, they're still down so many people they were in both of these games. TJ Warren was out for the Pacers. You know, that kind of allowed the Cavaliers to experiment with their starting lineup. We'll get to that in a minute with Dante Exum. But um, overall, the Pacers are going to be a playoff team this year. You know, they are in a tier above the Cavaliers as far as talent goes. You you expect them to to beat a team like the Cavs on most nights. But, um, you know, you move on from a game like that. You know, a two-game losing skid isn't the worst thing in the world. And the Cavaliers did bounce back against the Hawks, like we said, 96-91. Uh, not the prettiest game in the world either, but a, a good grinded-out type of win. Um, I, I actually didn't catch this game until uh, like a little bit later in the third quarter, I believe. I think I when I turned on the game and finally was able to watch it, it was the, the possession that I turned it on was a possession where Jetty Osmond had the ball in the wing that ended in him taking basically a step back three that he airballed. That was a nice introduction to the game. Uh, Dan, did, were you able to catch this whole game? And uh, if so, how did they look in the first half? I, th- I know the Hawks, they got up to a hot start, didn't they? And then really cool off. Yeah, they uh, the first half, um, they were just, it seemed like they could get whatever whatever they wanted, really. I think they had 35 points in the first quarter. Um, and it just seemed like a lot of the game, the Cavs for some out like the initial defense at time, a good amount of the time, even before the fourth quarter, um, the initial defense seemed pretty good. Um, I, I mean, in the second quarter and a good amount in the third, but there were so many times where they just had, I think they out, the Hawks out rebounded the Cavs by like 12 after the first or in the first half, I think. And they had a lot of just kind of tip outs, and then they would get a ball counter action ball swing at the other end of the floor, um, or, or any other other end of the floor, uh, court, and just they were just hitting open threes, and um, they were just getting hammered uh, on the offensive glass, and it, it just the Hawks were starting to get up and down. Um, it seemed like the Cavs were just kind of just on th- kind of thin air for a lot of the first half. And they kind of made some plays to just kind of stay afloat. But, um, yeah, it was just great resolve uh, to kind of just crawl, the, crawl their way back, it seemed. Amu, how did, you, how did you think the Cavaliers played in that second half, kind of during that comeback, and then to protect the lead the way they did down the stretch? Again, the Hawks could not hit a shot, it seemed like, to save their lives. Trey Young struggled. John Collins struggled. But still, you know, had had to play well, you know, to win that game, I thought, and, you know, came through down the stretch. Yeah, I thought, you know, the Cavs, I felt like this was a nice gritty win for them. And um, I felt like they had some luck on their side because at the end of the game there, I know John Collins had a dunk that I guess he yes. just tried to, yeah, boom it too hard and just obviously missed that one. Um, yeah. But it was a great win for them. You know, the, Cla- the Cavs, excuse me, and uh, Collins sucks in particular, really came up clutch for them. Uh, but in the first half, I thought he was going to go like that Pacers game. You know, the, the Hawks just couldn't miss. Clint Capella was just giving it his all against Andre Drummond. You know, Andre Drummond couldn't really stop him. And then, you know, that kind of changed. I guess you could say that the Hawks, you know, just cooled off or whatever. But overall, you know, a nice, solid win for the Cavs against a team that a lot of people, you know, were looking at as a surprise team in the Hawks. I think before this game, they were the either the first or second seed um, in the conference. But... You know, it was, it, was, it was an enjoyable win. It wasn't one of the, you know, 
play on topic, so we'll just talk a little bit about them now. The Colin Sexton takeover in that game was oh. something to watch. I mean, you know, just getting into the that kind of mid-paint range and just kind of, you know, putting up those push shots that he seems to be able to get whenever he wants, it just seemed like bucket after bucket after bucket from him. Obviously, I think it was after the Bogdanovich three that put the Pacers, or not put the Pacers, but put the Hawks right back in the game. Colin came down and basically just hit a three in their face. Really just, I mean, I, I didn't expect exactly this from Colin this year. I mean, I, we knew he was going to get better, and we knew, you know, what he was able to do last year. But what is he averaging right now through these first six games? 26? 26. Yeah, I think it's 26, 26 on the yeah. dot. Yeah. Like, did either of you see that level of improvement coming for him, at least up to – I mean, obviously, again, it's early. We'll see if that comes down. But did either of you expect this big of an elite from him this year? Honestly, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I expected him to maybe hover around at 23, 24, you know, at the most 25 range, and he's doing that inefficiently. Now, you talked about it coming down. Personally, I don't think it'll go down that much. I feel like he'll he'll probably level out at about 24 points per game, 25 points per game even. But he's he's been very good for the Cavaliers this year. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know, our own Billy Beebe kind of had, like coming into the season, had like a bold prediction that, um, one of them that was that he'd have 25 a game and I, I think 23 um, I thought like 22 and a half 23 would be kind of where he'd be at just um, but I, I think yeah it's not it doesn't look to be as much kind of in the realm of hy- hyperbole now but um, I, I just think the big takeaway for me from that one um, was that and kind of a, against the Pistons to a large extent as well. I think when the opportunities arise, um, I, I just think Colin is is clearly the Cavs closer, whether Kevin Love or um, KPJ are in the fold or not. I think that's just really kind of shown through in that one. And um, especially for kind of three quarters, him and the Cavs struggled to a large extent offensively, but um, just his what he's been able to do in the pick and roll, even this year, even taking that a step further. He's, I think, he's fifth in the league in pick and roll scoring, and I just think when push comes to shove, when they need a bucket, he he can go get it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the improvements have come a lot on the defensive end now as well. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Got another eight second violation too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, just, I, I don't even know if that was. Or you know what was that? No, I'm sorry. That, that was Dante. That was really, I'm sorry. Dante, yeah, yeah, but I don't even know if that was Dante, you know, really pressuring the ball or if that was just Trey, you know, not realizing the situation. But well, um, I mean, I mean, if he's a first team all or all star, you got to know the situation. Yeah, you, you would think. But um, I, anyway, just overall improvements of, on defensive reads, you know, with Colin. You know, fighting through screens, just being able to get around screens and just react correctly to things. I mean, he's not perfect on it, and he still does make mistakes. But overall, like, he looks like he could be, like, an actually good defender, which would have been kind of a wild thing to say last year. I think the added strength has helped him. But overall, just, it seemed like the majority of the time, like a lot of other Cavaliers last year, he just kind of looked lost and that doesn't seem to be the case now. Would you agree with that? Dan? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, just seems to time up his, his help better. Um, there are a couple times against the Knicks where he kind of overhelped, but 
just seems way more alert on that end. And um, especially off the ball, I just think he's shown improvement there and kind of just taking better angles. And uh, I, I just like that it's, I don't know, J.B. Bickerstaff is also putting other guys around um, their key defenders in better positions. Uh, even in that one, I think Colin was on DeAndre Hunter, and I know he, he had some tough shots that went in in that game, but I think it was good to see him not just put guys on islands, um, aside from Exum on, on Young, and just it, we're just seeing Colin be in positions more to be successful uh, defensively consistently, I think. I agree with that. We will get into Exum a little bit here. The Cavaliers interim starting small forward. He has started both of these games at the three for the Cavaliers. Uh, in that first game, had seven points, four rebounds. Last game, six points, five rebounds, and an assist. Obviously, you know, the big storyline from this all is, you know, what he did with Trey Young down the stretch. Uh, you know, we've talked about you know, Dante Exum as a defender quite a bit, but I think. Last night kind of was a you know prove what you're what you're worth in in the league on this team you know as far as just being able to and again Trey just looked tired he missed some yeah. some easy shots you know Dante certainly forced some difficult shots and, as well and you know he played a role in that but was really just kind of hounding on Trey um, looking very sound defensively uh, continuing to be reliable overall you know I mean it's just kind of funny to see him you know step up and I, I shouldn't say funny but just good to see him step up when other guys are injured instead of it being the other way around as you know as far as he, he hasn't had and again we're only six games into the season but he hasn't had any injury concerns really other than just a small thing in the preseason he was held out for you know precautionary reasons I think that was a hip though that wasn't really anything serious it's not you know a knee or an ankle or anything that you know you'd be more concerned about Amadou, what have you thought of Dante Exum in these two games? What did you think about the move to put him in the starting five? I thought the move was interesting because, you know, considering just how slim the Cavs have been, considering injury-wise and everything, I thought he'd probably stay at that backup point guard position, but I guess the Cavs were looking at it as Jetty has been great off the bench. You probably want to keep him there. And that's opened up some minutes for Damian Dotson, who, I mean, in those in those minutes, I mean, if you look previous to that too, hasn't really done much, you know, to maybe say that he deserves that backup spot over Exum. But, you know, so far, so good. You know, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, the spacing is clunky. Offensively, Exum, I mean, he's playing more off-ball now, and he isn't really an off-ball shooter. But defensively, you know, he's, like you said, he's hounding guys. He was hounding Trey Young at the end of the game. It's been great to see. And um, I like it. I like what JB did with that. Dan, how'd you feel about it? Yeah, I thought for the for the matchup, it's fine um, in some instances. And yeah, I mean, with Dante, we, we know what the deal is. If he's a heady defender and um, has has some size for a guard, really a guard. Um, offensively, though, I just I really like what he does on the defensive end, really um, just an alert player and his ability to to defend high level guys. I mean, he has foul issues occasionally, but by and large without fouling, uh, does just a really nice job of kind of anticipating where screens are coming from, um, to kind of just 
just make guys feel him, and and I think that really helps the Cavs at least. Um, he'll give up some baskets at times, but just does a nice job of at least making primary ball handlers or or key wings kind of take their time and use a lot of clock. I think he just his his length makes a difference there, but. Um, as Amadou kind of touched on, it, you just worry about a is is he going to be ever going to be healthy for long periods? I, I, that I don't know. Um, and b offensively, it, it's it's just it's tough because I, I, you just can't rely on him to ever make shots, and that that's the problem. This and it's it was good to see what he did against Trey Young, and he's. Done pretty solid job otherwise, but I, I just think as the season progresses, I just think Dotson is a guy I trust more. And he he made some really nice nice plays against the Hawks. Made a couple uh, a couple nice pull ups, I, I believe. Um, just a guy that I, I know he hasn't really gotten it going yet, but I mean he has shot like forty three. I think he shot forty three percent of catch and shoot three so far. So he he can get it going pretty quick. Would you have, if it was your call, would you have started Dotson over Exum? Uh, I think in this one, I think defense was more of a priority. Um, the Cavs missed a ton of open shots, like wide open shots. And I, I probably, I, I like what he did in this said matchup, but against Indy, I probably would have went with Dotson. More often than not, if this is what you do, like in a pinch, I'm going with Dotson just because I, I take guys that can shoot over ones that can't almost any time. But in this specific instance, I think it was better to have Exum against Young just because he is a, I mean, he's more used to guarding point guards than I think Dotson is. I think he's more of a guy against twos and threes that I'd rather have. But in this instance, I'm a, I was fine with it. I, I find that you're, you're more on team Dotson in general. And I usually am more on team Exum. I'm, I'm interested to hear if, the same question. Who would you have started in these two games? If, if it was up to you. Yeah, I actually agree with Dan right here. I feel like in this particular matchup against the Hawks. Yeah. I'd probably go Exum for that defense, but if we were going against Indy, Considering that TJ Warren was out and the Cavs were able to, you know, take that into effect, I feel like I would have started Dotson right there because the defense isn't really as needed. It's more so, you know, that off-ball ability is, is pretty much necessary. But, you know, moving, let's say it's a moving forward thing. I think I'll probably stick with Exum over Dotson just because, I, I, I mean, you talk about Dotson who wasn't really in the rotation is just now, you know, starting to get minutes. I don't want to just throw him into the starting lineup like this, whereas Exum, you know, had that backup role and is now being inserted into starting lineup. That's a fair point as well. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. 
we can get into somebody else who has started at least, I believe, a game this year. But Jetty Osmond, who, you know, we were talking about, he had a very, very hot start to the season. You know, the kind of the topic was, well, have we been talking about Jetty Osmond enough this offseason? You know, I mean, we've been talking a lot about his shortcomings, but we really haven't. And this is just kind of, you know, the Cleveland media sphere as a whole. Haven't really been talking about the possibility of Jetty Osmond improving. Um, and, and like I said, you know, he got off to a very, very hot start from three, shooting above 50% in the first few games, you know, during that 3-0 stretch. Really kind of fell back down to earth during that 0-2 run. Um, like I said, started a game in there and really struggled. Uh, the Cavaliers, when, you know, Okoro was out, made the move to go to Dante Exum in the starting lineup over Jetty, allowing him to come off the bench, kind of thinking, you know, maybe that's kind of just what's best for him. You know, he found his rhythm off the bench. You know, he can he can make the most of an impact here. And that's kind of what we talked about last podcast. Uh, against Indiana, coming off the bench, he was 1 for 8. Um, 4 for 12 against Atlanta last game, again off the bench. Although he did hit a key 3, go-ahead 3 late in the game. That was really, really big from him. But overall, Amadou, what have you thought of Jetty Osmond's kind of like I said, just fall back down to earth as far as shooting numbers. Do you think that we could see those rise up? What I feel like we've seen so many different Jetty Osmonds this season already. Which one do you think is the real him? I mean, it's really tough to say because, of course, the Cavs have injuries. So I don't really want to make a, a final decision on that until, you know, Coro comes back, which he's expected to come back during this Orlando time. But, I mean, it's just some, some shots that Jetty's missing that he should be making. I mean, it's just wide open corner shots that he's missing um and there's just i, I don't know jetty uh you know he's, he's pretty inconsistent i mean we've seen this in past years too i don't know i feel like i want to wait until okoro comes back and if these problems you know still persist and you know yeah then that's definitely going to be something to talk about but until then I, I just feel like i just feel like this is an, an injury thing and hopefully when you know the Cavs get healthy again we see osmond return to how he was in that hornets game well i have a quick question about that um how do you think that Jetty's role has changed with Okoro leaving? I mean, he is still coming off the bench as kind of that first guy. And I think what I've noticed most about his regression from the first few games to now is really just the shooting numbers. I mean, his defense has never really been good. But what about someone like Okoro coming back do you think is really going to – like how do you think that's going to impact Jetty? I just feel like – I don't know. I just feel like that safety net of not having Okoro there is probably what, what's what's doing it, you know, because – the Cavs have experimented with Osmond starting, of course, and they didn't really like that. And then Exum, you know, was starting. I feel like it was the just the thought of maybe Osmond having to do more. That that's probably part of it. I'm not, I'm not too sure because just because you know Koro is not there. But yeah, that that's an interesting question, of course. You know, it is really just a shooting. Hopefully, I uh, just hopefully this is just you know maybe just like an early season slump. But I mean, I I don't I don't know, man. I I don't know. It is. It's kind of a tough question, you know. I mean, for, to go from, you know, super hot from the field to you know already back into a slump is just kind of a weird thing. Dan, I'll pose the same question to you: Is which which Jetty is the real Jetty here? Yeah, I just think we have to accept that with Jetty. If again, it's it's clear that he's he's just a bench guy and realistically probably like a seventh guy that you put out there and you hope he's on and 
if he's not, he can kind of provide some tertiary playmaking for you in, in a sense. And um, can you can maybe get a couple a basket here or there out in the open floor after contests. But with him, it's just very clear that uh, it's kind of a roller coaster ride in the sense that he's not really going to help you defensively. I mean, at, at times he, he has some like high, timely deflections here and there, but just a lot of the time just seems to, I don't know what it is. just seems to get out of position. Not really a guy that you want plans. Unfortunately, it's not really like a, a sound zone defender either. When they do kind of play him in those instances, just, routinely gives, I don't know how, just gets targeted off the ball often. It seems like gives up three after three. And with him, you just hope that he, it nets out that he hits some threes. Um, but it's just, it, it's tough with Jetty. If Okoro isn't in the fold, it, it just, uh, it, it really stresses that he needs to make shots. And unfortunately, we he's, he's going to get, He's going to get 18, 19 minutes, you would think. And you just hope that he's on. And luckily, he did make that one, that which which was key. But, I mean, three and nine from three. And a lot of those misses were just, ugh, just bad misses, just clankers. And, I mean, he's I think like his he's he shot. I mean, all, almost all of his shots have been three. So. At this point, I mean, it's it's hot and cold game to game and to make or miss league. And uh, that's just what it is with Jetty. And uh, he's a shooter in theory enough that you have to play and, and you hope he's on. But it's aside from the catch and shoot threes. I, I mean, he's been when he's been on, he's been really on. But it's pretty much like catch and shoot threes. And if he has to dribble or create off the bounce in the two point range. It's just, it's not going to bode well. And you just hope that he's on in with a Coro not in it. It's just, it's often not going to work out well. It's just pretty clear. Yeah. That, that was a point that I was going to bring up was just, I think we, at this point, it's pretty much proven that Jetty is very, very limited as an on ball creator. I think, you know, the shots that he's been making have been catch-and-shoot threes, and he is very reliable there overall. I mean, he's he's had some misses, but when he's somebody that can get his feet set and get a good three up, I think that's where, you know, you really like the odds of it going in. But on some of the more difficult shot attempts, like I said, you know, I, I turn the game on, and there he is trying a step-back three. He airballs. Uh, there was in one of these two games where he took a really, really deep three and was way short. I think it was Just in the... Uh... Yeah, and other other you know instances where he just he'll either try a sidestep or he'll try something slightly oh God, off balance was, or you know just whatever it is when he drives and you know tries to put up something in the mid range where he just he doesn't have the balance and you know have his feet set it just it doesn't seem like it ever goes in and not only does it not go in it's a really really bad miss like. Like an Andre Drummond like level of bad miss, which you know from from a wing isn't something that you always want. Well, it's not something you ever want. But um, overall, like I said, you know he is a shooter still. If he can get his feet set, it there's a very good chance of it going in, and that's why you play him. Uh, yeah. But I, I I agree with you on the defense too. Like it's still just 
looks looks lost, looks out of position. Um, you, you mentioned the zone. You know that's something that the Cavaliers have had a little bit of success with, but that's not, and that's that's again not an area that Jetty's, you know, really thrives in because again he just doesn't always look. He doesn't always look like he knows where he's at, and he doesn't know where to be. Um, I still think he gets beat off the dribble routinely. Um, you know, just way too often. You know, on or off ball, guys can get right by him. Um, pick and roll defense. You know, there were a couple games, you know, or not a couple games, but a couple instances where him and JaVale McGee were put into a pick and roll, and that was really, really ugly. There was one where, you know, he just, I think it was, was it Kevin Herter or Bogdan Bogdanovich? I think it was Kevin Herter. But basically, you know, like they both went to the roll man and just left Kevin Herter completely alone, and Kevin Herter got a wide open three, and obviously it's Kevin Herter he made it. Just overall, rough stuff from him. Um, but overall, I, I think, I think he'll probably level out again and I, mm-hmm. as a, you know, 38, 39%, I, I'll, I'll go 38% three point shooter. Um, hopefully again, you know, as a guy like Okoro comes back and just other pieces to where he isn't, you, you know, where you, whether it's Dylan Windler or Kevin Love to where there's other offensive creators on the floor with him. I don't think he's going to be asked to produce as much as he has been or as much as he's been trying to at least. So I, I do think once he kind of gets back into that, that, you know, just spot up corner guy, I think the percentages will, will again, get better. I see him being a high thirties guy. Would you both kind of agree with that? Do you see him being higher or lower this season? I'm, I'm talking about from three. Yeah. I think he'll hover around that 37, 38% range. Yeah. Can I, I'll just say one thing. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it'll be like 38, something like that. But, on wide open threes, so six plus feet, he has he's hit forty five point five percent thus far. On four to six feet, so open, he's hit twenty one point four percent. And then two to four tight, he's hit zero threes in the season. So we pretty much know what Jetty is. Yeah, again, someone who just who needs to take his time, get balanced, get set, and then shoot. And again, like when you have other offensive creators on the floor, when you're playing next to Colin Sexton, if Darius Garland can continue to get his own shot, you know, Larry and Kevin can play make even Andre Drummond at times, you know, I mean, a lot of them don't work, but a lot of them do. That's those, you know, those opportunities where you can get those types of shots. But um, overall, yeah, I think the talk of, you know, will the Jetty Osmond get better? I think that's, I'm not going to say it's out of the window, but, I, I don't think it happened. But would either of you say that, you know, a big leap from Jetty is on its way? I think we, we've been talking about how he is what he is. And despite the hot start, I, I still believe that he is what he is. I don't think a whole lot has changed from last season. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. Ditto. Well, before we get into the last couple of guys that we have to talk about here, i got to let you know about Thrive Fantasy. Basketball is back. The NBA is back. And there's a perfect time to come prop up on Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. 
Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app or visit thrivefantasy.com today to get started. You can use the promo code KLOVE, like Kevin Love, K-L-O-V-E, when you sign up and you will get an instant deposit match of up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Guys, we got to talk about JaVale McGee now. On the first game against the Pacers that we're talking about, had seven points, 13 rebounds, although I think like all of those rebounds came within like two possessions where he missed his own shot like four times and just grabbed the rebound. Then also had 14 points, nine rebounds, and four assists again against Atlanta. Uh, continuing just to be very, very active, you know, even if that is getting him into foul trouble a little bit at times. Um, yeah, I, I noted the rebounds. I think, you know, that was kind of an inflated stat because it was missed rebound, missed rebound, missed rebound a couple of times there. But um, how have you felt about JaVale McGee through these couple of games, Amadou? Yeah, I feel like JaVale has actually been solid. You know, besides that Pacers game where, you know, like you said, most of his rebounds were coming from that him putting up his own shot and missing. I feel like he's been solid. He's been playing great defense as a rim protector. We saw that, too, against the Hawks. Um, he's just a, a savvy vet, you know, um, to replace him or, you know, coming to the season, it was that thought of who's going to be that backup center to have him there. It's been, it's been solid so far. I'm, I'm really enjoying what JaVale McGee has provided for the team. Dan, what have you liked about JaVale McGee? What have you disliked throughout these couple of games? How are you feeling about him? Well, it's, it, he's been very good in what I thought he would be. Um, an active roller. I, I've, I think his his drop coverage has been very good. I mean, he got basically two deflections, or I, I don't remember if they were deflections or steals. Um, just on kind of, he does a good job of kind of like baiting um, guards to kind of throw those lobs and um, kind of just getting back there um, using his wingspan. I think he does. I think he does that specifically way better than Dre. I think Dre kind of goes for the guys on the live dribble first and then is susceptible to the lob, which occasionally he'll get them, but it's as the Hawks showed, I mean, it's pretty easy to get him there. Um, I think JaVale plays those way better, but um, yeah, he'll, he'll make some still JaVale decisions at times. Uh, but I, I think by and large, I think he's done a really good job being active and I know that there were some kind of volleyball action things there, but JaVale does a really good job of, I don't know, just having playing using his his size truly um, at both ends of the floor. I think he's done a really good job as a screener, too. Um, I, I think his his handoffs, he just does a really nice job of kind of just getting guys that space um, guys like Sexton Garland, allowing him to get downhill Um and he's made some heady passes here and there. I mean, he, he will turn it over. Um, fouls a whole heck of a lot. Uh, that's that's pretty clear as day. But I think the Cavs really got probably more than they bargained for um, in this in this instance here. Well, I think he's just kind of taken on a larger role and a larger responsibility. Yeah. You know, coming from L.A. and even from coming from Golden State, where he was always just kind of there. Yeah, I mean, he's stepped in, and I mean. Off the court, he's taken a leadership role. Um, I think the Cavs social media team put out a video where they didn't like actually show what he said in the pregame tunnel, 
but just showed him giving like an emotional kind of pregame, you know, hype up type of speech. It's just, it's good to see something like that from him. You know, somebody who is an adult in the room who can, you know, kind of give to some of these guys energy. Um, you know, again, we see on the floor as well, just him taking over a lot more than he ever has. That doesn't always work, but uh, some of the, like just some of the shots we're seeing from him in the paint. You know, he obviously had the the filthy, <laughs> the filthy and one against Atlanta where he, he ended up missing the free throw, but somehow oh, yeah. slithered around and just you know full arm extension flipped it up and it went in. Um, what do you, Amadou? Do you like kind of his increased role on the floor? as far as, you know, just taking some shots that you wouldn't really see him take normally. I feel like that's something that kind of takes a lot of people off guard who haven't watched very much Cavaliers basketball. If they turn it on and they're like, whoa, what is JaVale McGee doing? But I feel like, you know, it's been going on pretty much the entire season at this point with, again, some some uglier moments, but also some success. I mean, I feel like there's some times where I feel like he tries to do a little bit too much, but I mean, if they're like, if he's at the three and it's end of clock situation, sure. What I don't like personally is the you know you have eighteen seconds left on the clock and you know he gets the ball at the three and he's you know trying to shoot one or if he's just about you know just the post hooking all the time just the post. I feel like there's sometimes where he does try to do too much, but it isn't so- too crazy. You know, it isn't too crazy. Like the, the sky hook that he tried yeah. at some point obviously was not gonna work, but he has just some baby hooks and that's been. An effective shot for him, you know. I I don't know if that's gonna be able to, you know, hold up. Like I I feel like you know the, the level of difficulty of some of those hooks that he's taking are are pretty high, and he's been getting him to fall. Like I said, I, I expect that to maybe you know come back down a little bit. But as of right now, Dan, how do you feel? Do you do you like the increased Javale? Yeah, the increased Javale role. Um, yeah, it's there's some head scratching moments, sure. Um, as Amadou alluded to, but I don't know. I, the threes, yeah, I don't want to want him taking a three with like 15 seconds on the shot clock. Um, that's that's far from ideal, and you don't want him really like bringing the ball up the floor uh, on occasion. Even I just I'd rather not see that. But a lot of his stuff is honestly just making extra passes, maybe some. Um, passes to cutters kind of rewarding guys i don't have a problem with that you know honestly the way i think it just shows that bigger staff is preaching the extra pass and playing unselfishly and there's going to be some turnovers here and there and that's i mean that's pretty clear but i think it's a lot less like stuff where it's like andre drummond i don't think javel i don't think we're seeing nearly as many like just terrible possessions like it's not like he's willing like willing post-ups from 15 away from the bat feet away from the basket like Drummond I don't think it's anywhere close to that and I I think the the only question I have is I I don't honestly can't remember is is JaVale maybe going to be worn out at some point in the next couple weeks I I don't think he will but I, I just think he's done a lot more good than bad Overall, yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, the question of him being worn out, he is, what, he's 31? 32, I believe. 32. We've mentioned, though, that he, he doesn't play like he's that age. Like, he still looks very, you know, spry and still just kind of has that hop in his step. Like, And I, I don't think he's playing, you know, 
of all the people that have gotten injured, I don't think these injuries have affected him a ton as far mm-hmm. as his role. Like, I think it's pretty much what we expect, um, you know, just with the – if anything, you know, it, it might be a little bit less than we expect because, you know, there was a lot of talk coming into the season that, you know, maybe we would see both Kevin Love and Andre Drummond, you know, sit out some games. Obviously, it's still only six games in. We'll have to see how that comes. But with Andre Drummond kind of having to, you know, play his regular set of minutes because we just have so many guys out, that, you know, keeps JaVale McGee in that kind of backup role. So I think, you know, as far as him getting worn out again, he is 32 years old. You know, the that could come. You never know. But I wouldn't necessarily expect it. I'd agree with that. One more guy I want to talk about here. Kevin Porter Jr., obviously, you know, haven't seen him play, still isn't with the team. What is going on with Kevin Porter Jr., guys? It's The latest that we've seen was Terry Pluto kind of came out and was talking about it, saying basically the Cavaliers don't want to rush him back. Uh, they want to wait until yeah, because they don't believe that he is emotionally ready. They want to wait until he is emotionally ready to return why are the Cavs being so quiet about this? And do you think it's right of them to be so quiet? We can start with you, Amadou. Yeah, I feel like it is It is right of them, considering that, I mean, if you want him to be emotionally ready, you don't want this all over the news and then, you know, people constantly asking him if they see him, you know, when he's going to be back, when he's going to do this. Um, I just feel like this is a thing that's between Kevin Porter Jr. and the Cavaliers now. Um, I know social media is a thing and looking at social media, I know that 2020 was a tough year for Kevin Porter Jr. I know he lost some loved ones, so maybe that has an effect on it. But I just feel like, you know, if Kevin Porter Jr. needs to take his time away from the team, he needs to take his time away from the team. And hopefully, you know, he'll be back soon playing for the Cavaliers. And uh, hopefully this will just all, you know, over time, just all be over. Hopefully so. Uh, Dan, we've seen a lot of people in the media just kind of being frustrated with the Cavaliers for not giving any updates. I I kind of side with Amadou here as far as, you know, we understand, you know, that Kevin's been through a lot here. Um, You know, some of this has been public. You know, a lot of it has been public of just, you know, the, the struggles that he's going through. Obviously, with the charges that were a thing in the past, those were all dropped. But, you know, there's obviously just still, you know, some... I won't even say just growing up, but just some time that needs to be taken for him to, you know, fully prepare himself to get back into this setting. Um, Do you think that it's it's right for the Cavaliers to keep this quiet and in-house, or do you think that this is something that they should make even a tiny bit more public? Yeah, I think it's tough. Um, It just seems like a delicate situation. I, I... I just think it shows that the Cavs and especially J.B. Bickerstaff is kind of hit on it that these are people too. And um, I just, I'm with Amadou on this one. I'd rather they just kind of keep this in house. And um, I just think it shows that the culture is, means something to the, to these calves. And it it just doesn't seem like we um, it's, it's, there's been dysfunction previously. Um, I'm just kind of glad that it's, we're just kind of going to see it in due time. And um, I I just think it speaks volumes that uh, they're kind of just allowing him to um, handle his demons or, or whatever is going on just kind of gradually. And 
Um, I, I just hope the best for them, and it's it just, I don't know, I just would rather them, or there be questions kind of looming about it um, more than people badgering it every day. Um, and yeah, we, I, I'd like to know for his sake how he's doing, and I'm sure the fans do, but um, I, I just think it's, it just goes to show that this is, it's more than basketball, and um, every situation is different. That's a good point, too, is it's not, you know, and we don't know what Kevin Porter Jr.'s situation is. Right. And we don't, we don't need to know what his exact situation is. That's not something that, if, if it's not something that benefits the organization to, you know, to let out, I mean, this isn't, you know, a basketball related issue. This is a personal issue. And, you know, I, again, if, if it's not something that benefits the Cavaliers, that benefits someone like Kevin Porter to, to let out, I don't see why there's any reason to where they should have to. Um, I think leaving it at personal reasons is enough. And, you know, I, I think I, I'm sure that he will be back in due time. You know, we'll have to see when, obviously. The Cavaliers might not know when. Kevin Porter Jr. might not know when. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what the issue is. You know, I mean, we don't. they might not know how long it takes. So I, I don't think they, they should be – they shouldn't – I don't think they are. But I don't think they should be feeling pressured into, you know, giving more information than they have. I don't think that there's a reason for them to, especially when it's, you know, non-basketball-related issues. So – I'm I'm perfectly fine with the way they've handled this. Again, I hope Kevin Porter Jr. is okay. You know, I, I don't have any reason right now to believe that he's not. If he needs to take a little bit more time to get himself mentally prepared or whatever it may be, more than okay with him doing that. But um, looking back at a little bit more Cavs basketball news, the Cavaliers play the Magic twice this week, uh, both Monday and Wednesday. Hopefully Isaac Okoro is going to be back for these games. Uh, you have to expect that he will be back in that starting lineup, pushing Dante Exum back to the bench. Amadou, we can start with you. Do you got any predictions, any thoughts about this matchup for the Cavaliers? Um, if I have some predictions, I feel like we'll probably split this series with the Magic um, and probably looking at some matchups with Flora. I'm intrigued at the Drummond-Vucevic matchup. Vucevic has actually started the season off you know, pretty strong. And we see uh, Drummond kind of struggles with those competent centers. So I want to see how he'd fare against Vucevic. Another matchup. I don't know. Does Cole Anthony start for this team or is the starter Marco Fultz? It's Marco Fultz. Okay. Marco Fultz is the starter, I think, okay. next to Fournier. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Marco, um, I know he started off the season hot. I think he's cooled off, you know, over the last couple of games or so. So, um,. If Okoro is back, I like to see what the Cavs do with that. If they put him on Fultz, and if that is so, that's a matchup that I'm excited for. But yeah, two things uh, for me to look out right there. I was gonna mention the uh, the Vucevic Drummond matchup, just because, like you said, you know we we've seen him really feast on some some lesser centers, but even if he doesn't make the All Star team this year, he, Vucevic is still an All Star caliber center. Um, and an all-star caliber center who can stretch the floor very well at that position as well. Um, we've seen you know some some very big defensive strides from Andre Drummond this year on defense, particularly as a rim protector. I'm interested to see how he does defending in space against someone like that. Um, and obviously, you know Vucevic is a guy who's going to get his post you know his post ups as well. 
Um, we saw that, you know, not bode well for the Cavaliers and the DeMontis Sabonis situation with both Drummond and McGee getting in foul trouble. I think that's something to kind of look at is just can the Cavaliers, you know, not get too handsy, not get, you know, can they stay disciplined with uh, Vucevic when he gets those paint touches? And uh, can they keep him in front when he is out on the perimeter as well? I mean, he's not, you know, someone who's going to be driving like crazy. But um, it will be interesting to see if, if Drummond can, you know, continue to defend at that level outside the paint. Um, I'm with you on this one, I, or Amadou. I think they th- I think they probably split the games. Uh, if I had to, you know, just throw out a random guess, I would say um, the Magic maybe have the advantage in the first game. Um, the Cavaliers make some adjustments and come back and take game two. Dan, where are you at with the series? Yeah, I'm kind of with... Um, both of you guys, I think they'll end up splitting. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how Drummond does with a guy that's um, a stretch and inside-out big in Vucevic, who's really good uh, secondary playmaker, too. I think that'll be an interesting element there. Um, does Dre kind of gamble a lot to take away passing lanes? Um how how can can the Cavs maybe get out and run a little bit here? I I, I think in the bench unit, uh, that's something to look at. And um, how how are the Cavs going to deal with Terrence Ross? I think he's I think he's averaging like twenty two a game here to start the year. Um, who's when he's in there? What's kind of the game plan there? Um, a guy that can really shoot off movement. Got a um, has some wiggle uh, in the mid mid range area too. Um, I just think we're – how does Jetty respond? He's kind of had two rough games here. Um, again, uh, it, it just would be really a boost to have Okoro back, but um, it's uh, should be kind of a fun matchup for, for both, of these, uh, both of these games. And, um, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of intriguing kind of individual matchups and – We'll have to see uh, how, if a Coro, I guess, what kind of miniature you'd have. Um, at least, is how engaged is he? Uh, do they kind of feature him a little bit? Um, maybe in pick and roll, even a little bit. All right. Well, with that, I think we're gonna get out of here, guys. Thank you again, Damon Amadou, so much for coming on. A blast to have you both here. Uh, thank you, everybody out there, so much for listening. If you enjoyed listening. Uh, subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes. Um, go back and listen to some other episodes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Do all that stuff. And uh, we will see you again soon after these two Magic Games will be recording. So we will be back then. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.